Hello and welcome back to the AFL Footy Fill-Up, your ultimate punting guide to season 2020. Well, the footy mania is over and games every night. We're done with that and we're back to our regular scheduled programming. I'm joined by my two experts, uh, Jay Clark, Harold Sun. Welcome, Jay. Hello, Angus. Great to be with you, mate. And Jacob Wilson, Champion Data. How are you, Jacob? Very well. Thank you very much, Kramer. Uh, Jacob, you'll be uh, very glad that this is over. The hit your bank account was taking every night with your bets. Uh, I'm sure you'll be glad to to have a have a night off. The hits, the hits. No, my bank account is going to be in devastation because it's just not going to be growing every single night with a couple of smart bets. Uh, I didn't know what to do last night. There was no no footy on. I just switched on the TV and just sat there for ten seconds. Thinking, oh, don't know what to do with myself anymore. And Jay, you're uh, not talking about your bank account. Your family will be happy to see you as well after a, a hectic schedule. Yes, although um, as is always the threat, I'm wary of one of my three children who are all under seven of coming in here at any moment. I'm on like the edge of my seat here on tender hooks, just wondering which of my three crazy kids will run in throughout this show, please. So please excuse me if that uh, does happen. But um, look, the footy festival has been great. I think the couple of days, couple of nights breather um, has been uh, is welcome. I look forward to um, reacquainting with my wife. Speaking of the uh, the big schedule of footy we had, we you guys were very solid across the the whole set of games on uh, on short turnarounds, but we will uh, we will go on to the next few games shortly. But Jacob, one thing that was all over uh, Twitter we've seen is this this pressure gauge that I know Fox Footy were talking about, and I for one have no idea what it is. It seems like no one else has any idea what it is, but I know you have a bit of intel. This is you said it's been your brainchild for ten years, so talk us through this pressure gauging, pressure rage, pressure whatever it is. Call it whatever you want. It's a, it's a pressure gauge. It's pressure. Um, and it's been something that's been introduced back in 2010 um, at Clubland. And we've slowly, you know, it's been spoken about in the media loosely for um, about the last five years, but Fox have really embraced it this year and are putting on the coverage. And um, what, it, what it is, is just for every disposal um, that an opposite, a team has, we re- measured the amount of pressure that team was under. Uh, for that, there's six different levels of pressure. What it ends up spitting out is a score for the amount of pressure you're putting under, uh, the opponent's under. Why that's really expe- exceptionally relevant this year is if you've out-pressured your opponents, previously it's about a you know, two-thirds win percentage. So if you out-pressure your opponents, it's a 66% win rate. This year it's gone up to 73%, which is its second highest it's ever been in a season, uh, the highest it's been since 2012. So pressure's never been more important. And to give you an idea of the teams that are really good at applying pressure to their opponents um, and out-pressuring their opponents, it's Port Adelaide, it's Geelong, it's Richmond. Um, and the players who are really good at it, the number one player in the league for, for pressure applied to the, their opposition this year is Clayton Oliver. Hugh Greenwood second. Brandon Parfitt for the, for the Cats is third. Historically, the best players we've seen for pressure is Devin Smith and Dane Zorko are still really high again this year. But I guess a really good story that you can take out of it and why pressure is so important is the Hawks have always been the poster boys for pressure for us. So if you look at the, as I said, we've been doing this for 10 years. The first nine years of pressure, the Hawks were always in the top three. They've always been in the top three. It's just been a given. Alistair Clarkson teams are the best pressure teams in the league. Every year, top three. This year, they've dropped to bottom four. So you can understand why their drop-off looks so severe this year. It's just the pressure they're applying to the opposition is... is dropped significantly and that's why they've uh, moved from being a really competitive team to being a bottom eight team this year. 
So it aligns very well in terms of how good teams are with how good their pressure is. Jay, do you take uh, take much of it? I know usually you take what Jacob says with a grain of salt, but in terms of this one, are you are you focusing in on it when you look at premiership contenders? <laughs> Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I think that that Hawthorne stat's an absolute um, beauty, and 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 Essendon um, can be a real barometer. I, I mean, without looking specifically at the numbers, I feel like when Essendon's pressure is high, they can win games. But then when their pressure really falls away, then they often get uh, belted. So they're a real uh, barometer side. I think Melbourne in 2018, I thought their pressure was exceptional and then dropped away a little bit in 2019 and it's back up again uh, this year. So, um, yeah, it, it is a fascinating um, stat. And I think um, well, it, it would be a primary indicator for a lot of coaches, maybe except for West Coast, they seem to be a team who are happy to sit back or, or corral. They defend probably slightly um, differently, other than Elliot Yo, who's a, who's a madman uh, all the time. Um, I would say that West Coast are probably a team who like to sit off their opponent a little bit, but uh, for everyone else, I think they like to really put the opposition under huge amounts of pressure. We, uh, we, we don't go many weeks without mentioning the 2018 Melbourne Demons. So uh, speaking of regular <laughs> scheduled programming, we will get into the fixtures for this week. And we start with some normal fixture, Friday night footy, the Suns and the Blues. Uh, Jacob, we will start with you. What are you taking in this game? I'm going to take the, the Suns head-to-head, $2.30. Now, I think a lot of people are feeling like the wheels have fallen off the bandwagon for the Suns. They've won just one of their last eight games. And that's what we've seen in a lot of previous years. They've started hot and then faded away. But their percentage over that period in that eight games where they've won just one match is still at 86%. So compare that to their other years, that's still 15% higher than any other Gold Coast team after the first four weeks of the season. So they are still a much improved team. And one area they're really strong is with their inset marking. They're the number one inset marking team in the league. They took 24 against the Tigers last week, which is the most by any team for the season. Powell took seven, Lacocious, Ballard, Collins... All of their defenders are really strong aerially. I think that's an area they can um, expose it and, and win the ball back from the, the Blues pretty comfortably. So I'm going to take the, the, the Suns as outsiders at $2.30 is really good value. It's a bit of value to start there for Jacob. And Jay, the Suns, four-day turnaround. How will they go against the Blues? Yeah, look, Jacob and I don't um, swap notes before this show. We try and go in without speaking to each other. And I'm on the same page here. I, I like the Suns uh, at the line, so a little bit less risk. It's a seven-point line. I think that's uh, too high. I was really impressed with the Suns against Richmond. Um, I thought they competed really strongly. Uh, Jack Lukosius had an exceptional game. And Ben King and Isaac Rankin as a combination. I mean, I just think they're the most one of the most exciting forward-line combinations or tandem acts uh, in the league. I, I love turning on the tally and watching these uh, these two. So I'm going to take the Suns at the line. You just wonder with Carlton, they're coming across from the West, the emotional high, uh, how much that will take out of them. I think there's a real opportunity here for Gold Coast to be good early in this game. And, um, yeah, I think the, the line is, a, is a, yeah, a really positive one. I'd be setting this market uh, more at $1.80 each. So it's the Blues to have a bit of a visit to start off. And Jay's not lying. It's a very icy pre-show between these two, and I have to try and get them to start talking to each other when we when we get the show rolling. So uh, we'll move on to the next game, and it's the Dogs and the Ds. Two sides who had big wins last week. Uh, the Ds, they took down the Pies in a big one. Uh, Jay Clark, we'll stick with you. Uh, what's your yeah. take on this game? Real fascinating game. I think Western Bulldogs pose a decent threat to Melbourne in this one, and that's largely because of their uh, midfield. I think that the midfield matchup in this one, Bontempelli, Petrarca, Bailey Smith in there versus Oliver, Viney as well, uh, Liver McRae, um, and Max Gorn still under a huge 
uh, injury cloud with that knee and that that shoulder issue. Um, look, I'm I'm staying away from the head-to-head result because I th- I think the dogs are some chance. So look, I'm I'm going to go the the total point scoreline is huge. It's 135 points because both teams clearly have the capacity to score in Melbourne. They got their tails up, didn't they? Really gained some momentum again with that uh, big win over Collingwood, followed by North Melbourne the week before and Adelaide the week before that. But the dogs will pose a good threat. I'm going total point score under 135. Watch um, the dogs a win more footy at the clearance to deny Melbourne the chance to, to score from the centre bounce and also around the ground. They'll want the ball in Caleb Daniels' hands, linking up, I think, denying Melbourne the chance um, to score. So Melbourne will have to ramp up the pressure to try and win the ball off the dogs because the dogs will certainly have their sharing in their hands. So I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring than that total point score uh, indicates. 135 is huge. So I'm thinking it'll be under that. It's a low-scoring affair for Jay. Now, Jacob, we know the dogs at their best. There'll probably be a great chance in this, but will they bring their best against the Ds? Well, I, feel, I feel like these two teams are exactly the same. They're just the, the two sides of the same coin with the way they play. They're, they've got infinite midfield talent, and the challenge for both of them is just being able to put that midfield talent onto the scoreboard with what have been uh, ineffective forward lines over the last 18 months. But Melbourne are actually getting their forward line working now. So you look piece by piece, it's building. Melksham has kicked at least one goal in his last eight games. He's really finding form. Bailey Fritch has kicked two goals in seven of his last eight games. So he's really um, been a contributor down there. Wiedemann kicked two goals in six of his last seven games. So there's three pieces that you can put in there. Spargo kicked a few goals last week. Maybe he's a piece. Uh, Pickett's definitely holding his spot down there now as well. So they're just getting there. That, that forward line, which was... Um, really poor at the start of the year, has actually found three or four contributors each week to the point where they're they're ahead of the Bulldogs. And you look at their last seven weeks, they're, they're five and two with a percentage of 147, and the Bulldogs are three and four with a percentage of 95. So I think Melbourne should be staying this game really comfortable favourites. They're currently um, $1.78. That's, uh, that's great value for Melbourne, so I'm going to take them. The other one for Melbourne as well is Angus Brayshaw is starting to find form as well, back to that 2018 um, form that he had. So there's just a lot of reasons to like Melbourne in this club. Just Angus, I think on Angus Brayshaw, I've filled up on him at 20 possessions in the past two games. I think he cleared it at three-quarter time. So um, where Petrarca and Oliver for 20 possessions are $1.10, $1.20, Angus Brayshaw 20 possessions is still $1.70, $1.80. So there is value there for Angus. He sent about to tenants. started in the middle against last week. He sent about to tenants gone right up. I think he might also almost be coming the preferred option to Jack Fine. He's been listening. But look, at I agree with Jacob. His uh, player possession markets are still appealing. So a bit odds there in the uh, player possessions. That was a tougher game to pick. This next one doesn't look as tough from a head perspective. It's the Power and the Hawks. Uh, 27.5 point line in this one, despite the Power being humbled by the Cats in, in what many thought would be a preview of a, a, a finals game. But Jacob, uh, will the Power bounce back? Uh, yeah, and I'm looking more at what's wrong with the Hawks at the moment than I am uh, with what happened to the Power last week. James Sisley is just a huge loss for the Hawks. He's, he's an elite defender. He's, he's elite at intercept, elite at spoiling. He's their best ball user as well coming back out. Um, he's just irreplaceable for the Hawks. And one of the issues the Hawks have this year is defending one-on-one. When they, when they get isolated one-on-one, they lose 35% of the time. That's ranked 17th in the competition. And Sisley was a good person to be able to reduce the amount of ones that, one-on-ones they were defending and one of their best defenders if he actually got isolated himself. So that just makes that problem even worse for them. And coming up against Dixon and George Arts, who had 
terrible games against the Cats because they were so well held. I think those two players especially could could take to the Hawks. Uh, so I'm going to take power by the line at $2.65. I'm probably going to have a little bet as well on Mitch Georgiatis. Uh, you can get him at $3 to kick two-plus goals. As I said, I think those two key forwards are going to be the key for the power in that game. So it's a bounce back for the power forwards. Jay Clark, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I really like the call from Jacob. I think, I mean, I've been watching these guys pretty closely, but James Frawley and Ben Stratton, I think, are really vulnerable uh, at selection. Now, because Sicily's out, maybe Clarkson, that's just to keep playing. But those two, I think, um, have been struggling in the one-on-one contest, going to ground a lot that happens in players in the, in the latter parts of their their uh, their careers. Look, Jay Gromier is a huge out um, for Hawthorne. Again, I'm going to have a look at a bit of a player prop here. It's James Warple. Without Jay Gromier to have 20 touches is $1.75. Now, he had 27 possessions in his last game against the best midfield uh, unit in the competition in, in, in West Coast. So, um, Jay, best and fairest when he should be clearing 20 possessions again pretty comfortably. $1.75, I think that's absolutely way overs. He, uh, he is going to play a huge role without uh, Amira alongside uh, Tommy Mitchell. So, expect to see some young blood there for Hawthorne, but I think James Warple um, can, is, is really got a huge load uh, to shoulder in that Hawthorne midfield. A big game for Walpole there. The next one we look at is the Bombers and the Tigers. Now, it's a line of about 25 and a half, and the Bombers really struggled against the Saints last week. But the Tigers haven't been putting teams completely away uh, in their games. So, Jay, uh, is that line too big to play at? What are your thoughts? Oh, look, I'm not having a crack at the line. I think if you look at um, Essendon's injuries, yes, they're getting um, some players back. It's obviously uh, the dream time game. So I really thought I really thought long and hard about the Essendon line, um, to be honest. But I want to have a look at um, Daniel Rioli as an anytime uh, goal scorer. Um, he's $2, and I think potentially with a greasy ball up there um, in the NT, he will have the chance um, to become quite prominent uh, at ground level as Richmond uh, Richmond small forwards are. So he, he hasn't been a huge contributor on the scoreboard this year. He's been pushing up the ground a little bit, but I think uh, on a big stage, he's going to be a good one to cheer um, in that dream time game. So I'm going to take Daniel Rioli anytime goal score at two bucks. So Daniel Rioli scoreboard. Jacob, your thoughts? I'm going to avoid the match result here and go for the scoring line. I think it's only sitting at 120. I think it's going to go over that. TIO Stadium over the last few years, uh, its scoring average has been up a goal on the AFL average, so it is a high-scoring venue. Uh, Lynch and Rewald as well are in terrific form for the Tigers, 15 goals in their last three matches. Uh, the three before that, they combined for just six. So those those two players alone are, are getting the job done for the Tigers. And these slippery conditions will work in the favour of the way the Tigers want to play up forward. So uh, a bit of arts, a bit of Rioli, a bit of... Uh, whoever it is up there, they're small forwards for, for the Tigers, Dusty and, and Lambert as well. I think they're going to have a lot of success um, against the, the Essendon uh, defenders. And even at the other end as well, the slippery conditions work into the favour, I think, of the way the Essendon forwards want to play as well. They don't have a lot of marking options up there. It's McDonald's and Woody and the Smalls who have been more successful for them as well. So the slippery conditions uh, plus um, a good scoring venue there, I think 120 is just going to be a bit low for the scoring line. So avoiding the head-to-head markets there, but a lot of value to be found uh, across the board in goal scorers, disposals, and uh, total points so far. We will head to a <laughs> we will head to a quick break, uh, and there'll be plenty more of those when we come back. One of my favourite things about Bet Easy is all of the perks. Like watching every Australian race live in the palm of your hand, so you can watch and bet anywhere, anytime. Bet Easy, raise your game. 
we're back on the AFL footy fill-up. Now, the next game we're going to look at is the Dockers and the Swans. The Swans had one of the upsets of the round when they started the week by smoking the Giants. And uh, Jay Clark, will they keep that going with a win over the Dockers or will the Dockers uh, bounce back from there after the siren loss? Yeah, look, Dane Rampey is just such a massive out for Sydney. I've rated his season um, through the roof. He's been extraordinary back there, uh, holding together that Sydney back line. He's out for the rest of the season with that rebroken hand. Um, I've been impressed by Fremantle. I think Justin Longmuir is having an exceptional first season as coach at Fremantle, giving the keys to the midfield. Some of those young guys in Chera, Brayshaw, Sarong, I think is really exciting. Acres and... Um, uh, as, as, as more mature pieces on the wing and, and can be pretty uh, versatile. Luke Ryan, he's going to really bob up in all Australian um, discussions as well. Uh, and Matt Tabernas having a breakthrough season. So the Fremantle fans, I think, would be feeling really positively about their year. I know it was heartbreak at the weekend with the Jack Noons goal, but um, I don't know what the mathematics are on the, the chances of that shot. You may have looked at it throughout the week, uh, Jacob, but gee whiz, what, what a finish to that game. I think Fremantle um, against the young uh, Sydney, a really good value. Uh, what is it at the line? It's minus uh, seven points uh, at this stage. I, th- I think the Dockers can really continue to build what has been a, a very positive season. Yeah, Jacob did touch on the mathematics of that Jack Nunes goal at the start of the show. He said he was calculating the percentage of getting the free kick and then a downfield and that that he was smashing into the calculator that he missed the goal. So I'm sure, Jacob, you will be watching this week, though. So uh, talk us through the mathematics of the game. Well, there was, uh, I think we've recorded about 350 set shots from that spot on the ground and, and 95 or so have gone through. So you're about a one in four um, chance of kicking it from that spot on the ground. So uh, Fremantle fans can consider themselves unlucky. But that's the way footy rolls sometimes. But the, the Swans almost in their game were lucky themselves with the way they won. It was just such an unconventional win to concede 50 entries to the Giants who were historically such a, a strong scoring team and to concede just three goals is such a weird, weird result. Um, but the, the losing Rampy really disrupts the way they play because he is what holds their back six together. And you look across the season, their number one strength has been able to um, restrict their opposition from kicking a goal when they make it inside 50 Losing Rampy, as I said, takes away a big part of that. So I am going to take Freeman out of the line just for that reason. Um, and the other one to stick with, you stick with five for either any time goal scorer or a two-plus goal scorer. Last four games, very consistent role on the team. So he'll start in the centre bounces, then he'll push forward. He's playing about 40% forward each game. Very much a dusty role where he's, he's doing some centre bounces, but he's also spending a lot of time up forward. Last week, there was only five goals to kick for the team. That's why... Um, he might not have featured in the goal scorers, but he is having a consistent roll up forward. So stick with him, keep betting on him because he is going to pay dividends in that goal scorer market. Maybe throw him into those same game multis because the traders are coming around to it and his odds have gone lower and lower as five plays more time forward. Uh, then we look at, well, there's a big line in this one. It's the Cats and the Crows, uh, 30 half points, two sides at the opposite ends of the ladder. Jay Clark, will it be a big win for the Cats? Oh, gee whiz. I took uh, Paddy Dangerfield, anytime goal scorer uh, last week, and he uh, dead set dropped two sodas in the forward half, um, in the forward 50 in the first half. And I was an unhappy man because I would have thought he'd slot both of them. Um, look, I'm going um, under total point score here. So it's 128 uh, and a half the total point score. Um, 
Look, unless Geelong literally score all of those by themselves, I can't see this being a high-scoring game. Like, against that exceptional Geelong defence, Adelaide, who can't score at the best of times, look, they're really going to struggle to hit the scoreboard in this one. We saw, we know Tom Hawkins is, is red hot and he'll be licking his lips again against an understrength Adelaide defence. Um, Talia hasn't made any great form. Tom Doody, I think he still might be out of the side. So, look, I'm going to go unders um, just on the account that Adelaide are so terrible. Unless Geelong break all scoring records by themselves <laughs> this, this weekend and replicate their win up there at the Gabba in 1993 where they scored 250 or something like that. Billy Brown has scored 16. I'm going to total point score under and I'm going to have a little side bet on Paddy Dangerfield to kick a goal uh, in this one so I can make my money back from last week. It's uh, I, I think I said when you put the bet on that Paddy Dangerfield, one of the most frustrating players to watch for an anytime goal scorer bet. If you <laughs> want to put yourself through that again, Jay, uh, you're very welcome to. Uh, Jacob, that, uh, that Geelong defence that Jay touched on, we saw a 40-year-old Harry Taylor and Lockie Henderson shut Charlie Dixon down, so I'm sure they'll be doing a similar <laughs> job to the Adelaide boys this week. Yeah, I don't think it's going to take quite as much effort to shut down Elliot Himmelberg and Darcy Fogarty than it did to shut down Charlie Dixon. But uh, the line, the line's just too short here. The line's been set at 37. The Crows have lost three of their last four games by 50 plus. The Cats have won their last two games against top eight teams by 60. Uh, and the line's sitting at 37. So it's just when you look at the line, you go, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take the Cats um, going that way. The only concern is, okay, we haven't seen the teams yet. What are the Cats going to do at, at team selection, knowing how um, juicy a matchup this is for them? We've seen they've already had a propensity to rest some players. So that's the only concern. Adelaide's centre bounce work is just um, terrible. The Cats have actually been outscored by 57 points from centre bounces, despite winning the clearances by 22 um, at centre bounces. But the Crows, they're negative 72 at centre bounces this year, which is 50 worse, 50 clearance clearances worse than the next worst team. They've been outscored by 100 points in there. They're just so bad at centre bounces. Just when you watch it um, on the weekend, just have a look at how poor they are at centre bounces. So uh, just enjoy betting on the Cats at 40 plus here. <laughs> you just uh, you're never content when the when the crows lines were at 13 and a half. You're saying it's too short. 17 and a half, too short. Now the traders have put it up 37 yeah. and a half, and still too short. So yeah. uh, you just never get what you well, want there, Jacob. One of our bet, best bets for the season, where we called it at the start of the year, was Adelaide under their line bet of uh, their wins at the start of the year. We said that was about the best bet of the season, but their line could have been one, and they might not have reached that. <laughs> you were it was nine on from memory, wasn't it? It was quite was it eight or nine. Eight it was huge. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a huge line. Was yeah. huge. They're never going to reach that. Uh, but as I said, it could have been a 0.5 line and they're not going to reach 0.5 wins. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, eight or so and they were um, in you know, third last in the in the rank for least wins. But you called it early, which was uh, very good. Uh, the next game we'll look at is the Lions and the Saints. The Lions just scraped past the Ruse, uh, which was a bit of a surprise on the weekend. Jacob, we'll stick with you. Uh, how does this one play out? I'm targeting the disposal markets in this game. So Lockie Neal, he's still a dollar seventy-two to pick up thirty plus. And I think a few people are going, "Oh, well, maybe Jack Steele goes to him. Jack Steele might be able to shut him down." Jack Steele is an attacker. Jack Steele's opponents this year are averaging twenty-one plus disposals, which is the sixth most of any player in the league this year. He is an out-night out, just going the other way to his opponent at set of bounces, um, just like all the best midfielders are. For anyone playing along at home, that the worst midfielder in the league for that this year is Tom Mitchell. So he's winning twenty-five himself. His opponents win 25 going the other way. So don't expect there's going to be any hard tag on Lockie Neal. He's, he's $1.72 to get 30 plus. The other one I like in this as well is Jack Billings has moved inside over the last month. So he's attended 26 centre bounces, 
in that period, which is more than he attended in his first 115 games in the AFL. His disposal averages jumped a little bit in that period. So he's $3 for 25 plus disposals. Keep an eye out for him as well. So Lockie Neal, 30 plus. JRC, you're going to play the disposal market as well. But as always, you've uh, Jacob's gone safe and you've gone for a, a nicer odds, nicer bet there. Yeah, I've got this is my roughie. Um, I think Nick Caulfield has been uh, someone who's really emerged and developed quite nicely this year under Brett Ratney. He's a first round draft pick. Now, um, this is quite tasty. For 20 possessions or more, he is $3.50, Nick Caulfield. So he's a halfback uh, flanker. He's a bit of a go-to guy back there. He's a rebounder with a not, with a, a nice kick. They like to have the footy in his hands. He had 19 last week. And I think for one more possession, it's $3.50. So I think Brisbane are going to win a lot of the ball in this one out of the middle. Clearly, as Lockie, you know, Lockie Neal dominant, as Jacob um, just pointed out, that ball, I think, is going to spend a lot of time in the St Kilda back half where Caulfield will be that little lateral pass. So I'll look to him and he got one more possession last week. He's growing every week, $3.50 at 20 plus. Um, I think this is really juicy and that's my uh, roughie of the week. Bit of value there for the genuine flanker, uh, Nick Caulfield. Uh, the next game we look at is the Eagles and the Giants. And I think we touched on last week, the Giants' inability to score and you weren't wrong about that, Jacob. But... I know the uh, the Eagles big line here nineteen and a half. Uh, will they get a win here against the Giants? Yes, this is the farewell to Optus Stadium for the Eagles. They've won all six matches at home by an average of thirty one points. And the most impressive thing they've done is they've turned around their contested possession differential. Early in the year they were the seventeenth in the league for the first four weeks. Last since round five, they're number one in the AFL for contested possession differential. We know what they can be as a team, if they're winning the contest, because they're so good offensively and so good defensively, where they're still the number two ranked team for scores per inside 50 and number two for defending inside 50s as well. They just become an unstoppable team. Um, I love them at the moment, especially while they're still playing at home. Maybe when they go back to, to Queensland, things change for them. Uh, but I'm going to take them uh, for my best roughie this week at 40 plus, $3.75. The Giants are in all sorts. Um, even their scoring and their efficiency went down last week. Uh, the, the Eagles in this one should be huge favourites. Uh, it's always the best team in the league at the moment playing against a, a bottom six team with the way the Giants are playing. So $3.75 for 40-plus is my best roughie. Yeah, the Giants are in all sorts. Jay, uh, will the Eagles get a big win here as well? Yeah, I agree completely with Jacob. So rather than uh, repeat everything he said, I'm going to go down a slightly different line. Let's have a look at another player, Pop. I like Jay, Jamie Cripps. Anytime a goal scorer um, is eighty. Um, now, for a team who I think could really um, score a lot of goals in this one, I think that's way too high. He scored a goal uh, in each of his last four games. He's been a prolific goal scorer for the last three or four years now for West Coast. He's one of the hardest-running players in the competition. Expect West Coast to have a lot of footy inside their forward 50, and Jamie Cripps will have multiple shots on goals. He's only got a sink one for $1.80. dollar eighty. I'll be looking at a same-game multi with West Coast at the line, with West Coast 40-plus, as Jacob has said. Good value for Jamie Cripps there. Now the last game of the round is the Pies and the Ruse. The way the Pies played last week, uh, are the Ruse a chance here, Jay Clark? 
I wouldn't have thought so, Angus. Um, I've been death riding <laughs> for a few years now, and uh, I really feel like it's um, starting to pay off uh, for me. Uh, look, Collingwood have had their issues. They've had a big week trying to repair and make some adjustments to a lot of their uh, forward half issues. They were cut apart defensively last week by Melbourne, which was a, a great disappointment considering they've been a top four defensive team for the past couple of years now. So, um, look, that Darcy Moore um, didn't have his best game. I expect him to be a lot better against North Melbourne. Long story short, I think Collingwood win at the line. I think it's sitting currently about um, about 16 points. I'm going to have Collingwood at the line into total points score under, as I do every week in a North <laughs> Melbourne game. And Collingwood, um, I mean, we know they've had their scoring issues as well. So I don't think they're going to put 100 points on the board. So um, for a bit of odds here, Collingwood at the line, um, 16 points into total points score under, uh, 120 that is four dollars on Monday night, and that'll round out my weekend nicely. And Jacob, uh, are you on the same page that the Pies will bounce back in this one? Um, might not be as confident as Jay is, but I think they will. Uh, the question for me though is who's going to kick their goals? All their forwards are, are missing in the moment, so I'm just targeting that two plus goal scorer market and just maybe throwing a few darts at the dartboard. You know, Hoskin Elliott or Elliott are both four dollars in that market. Um, but the one I'm looking at is Steel Sidebottom at $6 to kick two goals. We think they're going to kick a few goals in this game. Um, and Steel Sidebottom could be one that gets pushed forward to solve a few of their issues they have in that forward half. Um, we know he loves to bob up for a couple of goals every, you know, once every four or five weeks as well. So for he, to get him at $6 in a team that's just devoid of forward options, I, I love um, just throwing – and it could be anyone in that market, really. You can have Stevenson at $2.30. Um, just just get around that, that, that $2, two, two plus goals market for any Collingwood forward. You guys are Jack, really. I uh, love that bet. I thought I saw him start a lot forward last week. Side bottom, they did. Um, they did start him on the flank quite a lot. So I think that is exceptional value for yeah. two plus goals for steel side bottom. I'll be all over that one as well. Yeah. Across the season, he is 50-50 forward midfield split. So he's spending a lot of time forward yep. this year. Good bit of data there. You guys are going pretty hard on the uh, the goal scorers this week, which sort of, um, you know, derails the value of skipping forward to the snag stand, which most of our viewers usually do. But that's all right. I will still uh, provide a little bit of value in this one. I know Jacob, the way he does his research, and he said before 10 years of, of research into, you know, giving us a $1.70 pop, it's really great. Um, but what I like <laughs> to look at is, is small sample sizes and really – you know, really look at the data that, that that you can't really give a lot of reason behind. But that's all right. Um, there's one player I'm looking at, and he Tyson Stengel. He's played nine career games for Adelaide, and he's kicked ten five in those games, and six goals. Two of those have come in first quarters. He's kicked the three first goals, and another wasn't the match opener. It was his first for his team. So he's the sort of player that jumps up early, uh, gets up in a bad early, and then uh, goes away for the rest of the game. So you can find a lot of value in uh, Tyson Stengel in first quarter goal markets, first half goal markets, and they're inflated even more uh, with the way the Crows are playing at the moment. Now, the Crows have averaged just over seven goals a game in um, in eight of their nine games that he's played for them because they've all been pretty big losses. Uh, so his strike rate's pretty good. Uh, Geelong have only kicked the first goal five out of 12 occasions this year. So there's a bit of value for Stengel first goal and for a first quarter goal. Now, Jacob, I know you're about to pop me, but I'd just like to say, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big enough sample size for a uh, exciting little forward. Yeah, the, the, I've just taken a backswing already. Just read it, tee off on this one. Now, I think it's the odds of Adelaide ever kicking a goal in that first quarter we like. Jay, what do you think the odds of even Adelaide kicking three goals for the match are? Minimal, uh, let's be honest. Um, I heard you say something about 
Tyson Stengel. That's where I started to drop out. Um, but I'm back now. No, I love the snag stand, Angus. It's uh, always great value. Uh, Jacob, as I said, the Crows have lost eight of his nine games and he still managed to hit the scoreboard. So uh, I wouldn't worry about that uh, snag stand. Fans, you'll be all right uh, this week. All right, now we'll go to the best bets. And uh, Jay Clark, we'll start with you. Your best bet and best ruffy. Yeah, I really like... Uh... I really like uh, Collingwood against North Melbourne. I think they'll be uh, far too good. Obviously, their form hasn't been amazing, but you look um, at these two times and Collingwood will be getting the job done. As I said, the Lions 16 points and a total point score under 120. I think that's great value at 120. It's, uh, it's, sorry, it's uh, $4. Um, and my roughie, Nick Coffield, got to be cheering him all night long against uh, the Brisbane Lions. He's $3.50 rack up 20 possessions, though I said, on the half-back line. I think he'll make a strong start and uh, and uh, and clear that line. So Nick Coffield, for me, for St Kilda, it's in plenty of it. And the Pies to round off a big weekend on the pump. So plenty of value there for Jay. Now, Jacob, your best bet and best roughie. I'm going for Melbourne as my best bet at $1.75. As I said, over the last seven weeks, percentage of 147 compared to the Bulldogs' percentage of 95. They should be starting around $1.65, $1.60. So I'm going to take them as my best bet. And then the Eagles as well, playing at home in their last game against the struggling Giants to go for that big win, get that percentage booster, 40 plus, $3.75 is my best roughly. I do like that you touched on uh, Melbourne's form in the last four weeks rather than the last three years or 2018, which we usually go down the path of uh, when we provide reasoning for the Ds as our best bets. Uh, thanks again, fellas, for joining us. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks, Jack. Angus. Cool. And, and thank you, Jay. Thanks, Angus. Looking forward to another big weekend, mate. We will uh, see you next week on the Footy Fill-Up. Make sure if you are going to have a bet on the AFL, please gamble responsibly. And we'll see you next week.